Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt and taxes and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, with a love of fantasy books and funk, and a hatred of running more than three miles, Dave Denniston. Hey everyone, this is Dave Denniston. Welcome back to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Well, I am so excited to have you here. I just want to thank each and every one of you for turning into this podcast today. I want to thank those of you that are leaving your comments, those of you that are responding. I am so excited to share with you. We are now at over 9,000 downloads. That's right. We are at over 9,000 downloads. As a matter of fact, we have had downloads in over 60 different countries, the big four being Canada, Australia, the UK, and of course the US. And whether this is your first episode or if you've been listening for the last nearly two years, let me just say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for tuning in and taking some time to grow and learn and have some fun with me. And we're in the season now. It is December. Christmas is around the corner. You may not know this about me, but I am an only child. So it was just me with my parents growing up. And the holidays, Christmas meant so much to me because we got to spend time with our extended family. We would spend a lot of time with my dad's side of the family in Washington State in the Seattle area. We would have traditions around the Christmas table, traditions like having lamb, like having Swedish meatballs, like having grandma's asparagus soup, and the most hated of all, lutefisk. Yes, that slimy, disgusting fish that is soaked in lye and slides down your gullet with absolutely no taste. You have to load it up with salt and pepper, and I was forced to eat it. But all that being said, my actually favorite Christmas tradition is asparagus soup. I'm going to link that recipe on the show notes so you can check it out. Now, beyond food, which I love, 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 one of the, the major Christmas things we did in our family was to play games. And as a matter of fact, we played lots and lots of games as a family. I sent this email out to my listeners back at the beginning of November, and I had said to them, thank you so much for being an amazing listener. I would like your help as I am planning my December podcast. I had talked about how in my family we love to play all kinds of games. We played Pinochle and Jenga and the match game and shoots and ladders and the dice game and Yahtzee growing up. And in reflecting some of my favorite games, I asked my listeners for what favorite game taught you lessons and what lessons were those? So we had a number of different responses. My favorite three, first uh, do the first shout out to Euro Girl. Euro Girl had said, act your wage. A Dave Ramsey game was her favorite one that she plays with her family. It's uh, She said that, in this game, your lifestyle has to match your paycheck. Great lesson to learn, right? Uh, she had said, my kids play it all the time with their friends. The first person who pays off all their debts wins. Obviously, great lesson there. Thank you, Euro Girl, for sending that off to me. The next email that I got was from Scott. Scott had said, I played a game called Bargain Hunter as a middle school. 
I, you had to go around the board buying things for your apartment. You could use cash that you earned from a job or use the credit card. He said, I loved the credit card in Bargain Hunter, that old school kind that used to sit in the machine that you had to run the card manually onto a receipt. And it just, he said, it brings back great memories for him. He said the winner was the one who saved the most money after buying everything for their apartment. And so he said he learned to be frugal, he learned to seek out the lowest possible prices for items, and he learned to be wary of credit cards because you had to eventually pay it back with interest. So thank you, Scott, for sending that in. And then the other one I wanted to highlight here was from John. John, of course, said Monopoly. This is the game that uh, he played with family and close friends every single week. And he said for him, he learned to take a chance, and he really misses the times of playing Monopoly. And for him, it was about dealing with others. It was about friendships. It was about kids, and it was just a wonderful memory for him. So we'll talk more about Monopoly later. But for me, there are the three top financial games of all time. And I'd like to talk about each of them here for a little bit. So as you're looking to shop, as you're looking to teach financial lessons, as you're looking to have some fun, I highly, highly, highly recommend three games. The first game is called Wild Catter. Wild Catter is my favorite game of all time. And yes, it is like Monopoly, but it's Monopoly on steroids. The purpose of this game, Wildcatter comes from this term of drilling for oil. And so a Wildcatter is someone that went around just trying to drill for oil, trying all kinds of different stuff. And when you drill for oil, you get an oil rig or a dry hole. And so you have this concept that if you don't hit that, you lose and you still have to pay money. And what happens in Wildcatter, it's just like Monopoly, where you have different colors all throughout the board. The Chance and Community Chess cards, they are called Wildcat and Blowout. And so generally, the Blowout cards are bad. Generally, the Wildcatter cards, cards are good. And what's fun about this game one of my big frustrations with Monopoly is, of course, you had to collect all three cards of a color or two cards of a color, depending upon what color property, in order to get a Monopoly. Well, here in this game, you could start building houses, if you will, immediately with just one property. So to me, that simulates a lot more real life, right? You don't have to buy a whole block of houses to... Uh, make money off of real estate. You could buy just one. So what happens here, when you buy a property, there are odds on these cards. And the odds are different property to property. The properties that are the same color tend to have similar odds. So for example, initially when you're exploring, it's more difficult. On some of them, you have a die that you roll on all of them, you have a die that you roll when you're trying to make money. And so the first time is much more difficult when you're wildcatting. You either get have to get a one or a two, for example. And so if you roll a three, four, five, or six, you get a dry hole, which costs you money. If you get a one or a two, now you get a producing well. 
And after you get that first producing well, it becomes easier. You then need a four or a three or a two or a one, for example, to hit on the well. And so I love that randomness. I love the weighing of the odds that in real life, the, the first time you take a risk, it's hard. You're like, more likely to lose money than gain money. But once you've done it, you can make money again and again and again with better odds. Some things, once you hit, you're going to hit it every single time. And there's actually properties that do that uh, where it goes up to a five, for example, where you have a very low probability of missing once you hit the first time. And also what's really cool about this is you have a choice with which kind of expensive investment or least expensive investment do you want to make. So they have different colored tokens that are oil rigs. One is gold, one is silver. The gold obviously is more expensive, but it produces more. And on these cards, it gives you all the probabilities. It shows you the cost of all of these things. So you really have to make smart decisions with your money. So to me, it shows you about opportunity cost. It tells you about the risk that you take. And if you're, you're careful and take risk and weigh those two things together, you can win this game. Now, the other thing that I love about this game that is different from Monopoly, with Monopoly, you go around the board, you go past go, you collect money, right? In this game, in a wildcatter, you have to invest. You don't just pass go and collect money just for being in the game. You have to invest in order to collect money when you go past go and your amount that you collect, it's based on how well you've done in your investments. So if you've done extremely well and you've been had a combination of luck and skill, you make a ton of money, millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Meanwhile, if you've made bad investments and have had bad luck, then you don't collect anything. And you could be out of your money really quickly if you're not smart about budgeting it out and having money to make investments. So I love that about Wildcatter. Uh, the, the other thing that I think is most important about all of this is just the, the lesson and the idea of risk. It takes risk to make money, right? If you just sit on your hands, eventually, People are going around you are going to invest and you're going to have to pay them as the cost goes higher and higher and higher. So check out Wildcatter. It's an awesome game. I'm going to have a show link, uh, a note in the, the show notes to boardgamegeek.com that talks a little bit about it. And um, you can add to a collection and check it out. Of course, it's often available on eBay and Amazon and places like that. The next game that I love is called Modern Art. And there's actually a write-up done on this that I am going to um, read to you here. I had actually personally first discovered this game playing with my cousins. And what is so cool about this game is each player has a handful of cards that represent paintings by different artists. And you can think of an artist being much like a suit kind of in a normal deck of cards. So players go around the table and they auction off the paintings. The highest bidder collects the painting. And at the end of the round, the paintings are sold. The most popular artist has the most valuable paintings followed by the next most popular and so on. So 
this game it gives players money with which to bid in the next round. So it's worthwhile to note that if artists maintain their popularity, that they will always have some value to their paintings. And the winner of this game is the player with the most money at the end of four rounds. So what's really cool about modern art is in essence, it teaches this concept of a free market. And what you learn from this game is that relative values change over time. As the game goes on, some artists stagnate in value while others skyrocket. And if you just keep on betting on the same thing over and over again, you're gonna lose out to people who diversify their investments. Another lesson here, you can win by finding bargains and writing their escalation. And so the real key here to success at modern art, it's just like the stock market. And it's, it's looking at the game situation in front of you, determining which artist is gonna make the biggest value jump and then buying their paintings. So the best one that picks it will be right. And the, the other thing that's on this article on the simpledollar.com that talks about modern art here that I'm gonna link for you is bubbles always burst. So they write here that whenever people start bidding like crazy for one artist, a good player will hold off on investing and will look to somewhere else to invest their money. And of course, there's, there's a lot more to this game, but I think teaching the bubbles, teaching about how things get bid up, teaching about diversification is a really cool thing about this game. And you get chips, so it has a little bit of, of poker to it. So modern art, really fun game. The third game that I'd like to bring to your attention is the Monopoly card game. So not the board game, but the card game. What's so fun about this game is it's just like Monopoly. The difference is that you end up having to finish your game in only like 15, 20 minutes. So it can be really short. It doesn't need to last hours and hours and hours long like Wildcatter or the original Monopoly uh, game can. So I highly recommend the Monopoly card game. It's really fun. The goal is to get three Monopolies. There was actually another version that was based off of collecting a certain amount of money. Uh, unfortunately, all of these are out of print, but from what I see online, you can pick it up just for like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bucks on Amazon, even though it's out of production. We had first found it at Target a long time ago. And speaking of Monopoly, I wanted to bring out this book I had read called Everything I Know About Business I Learned from Monopoly. This is by Alan Axelrod. And there were some really interesting things that, that Alan said in here that I wanted to draw out to you. He had said here in this book that Parker Brothers began to distribute the board game Monopoly nationwide in 1935 and became an instant hit. So think about this, you guys. This was the Depression when Monopoly came out. What a time to have this game, right? And for many people, he writes in here, business, the marketplace, capitalism itself were not working the way they were supposed to. Companies were going belly up, people were out of work, people were losing their farms and their homes. And so in this time, when this game moder modeled capitalism and created a world in which people received salaries, properties were bought and sold, taxes levied, some players got richer, some players poor, and eventually all players go bankrupt at the end, except one. Can you imagine how much people related to that at the time? 
what's really fun about this book that it really gave me some insights into monopoly that I just really didn't think about before. And one of the things he talked about here was the opportunity equation. And what he said was an uninterrupted stream of opportunity aimed only at you would be like a steady diet of chocolate mousse, too much of a sweet thing. He said it would also take the dynamic quality out of the game. He talks about your decision not to buy Connecticut Avenue means that someone else has the opportunity to buy it. And not just if they happen to land on it, three or six or seven moves in the future, but immediately at auction. And I know I use this a lot when I play Monopoly with, with friends and family. And what, what I think is, is so interesting is that opportunity cost in Monopoly. The idea that if you don't take advantage of something now, it may not be around later. Here were the five lessons, I'm sorry, the four lessons that Alan Axelrod listed in this book from Monopoly. He said, first, in Monopoly, as in life, reaching foolishly beyond your means will very likely result in misery. Second lesson, stretching intelligently but aggressively to the edge of your means is often necessary to win a monopoly. In life, the stakes are much higher, of course, and the consequences of each risk both much greater and, alas, usually more permanent. Nevertheless, aggressive but intelligent risk is part of living, working, doing business, and making deals. He said, third, in Monopoly, the third lesson here, the failure to take risks almost certainly ensures that you will lose. But what about in life? There are probably plenty of people, no one knows how many, who are reasonably and even unreasonably content to living fully wrapped within their means, no matter how modest those means may be. These people shun risks. Are they losers? Are they winners? Are they something else? So this whole idea of taking risks, the failure to take risks, what does that look like in life as well as on the game? Fourth lesson, parents often say they like monopoly because it teaches kids something about the value of money, handling it responsibly, living within your means. Yes, the game does provide kids that kind of flight simulator. But the far more compelling lessons of the game are those that expose as illusion the sense of safe haven that comes with avoiding risk. He says to shrink from risk and monopoly is really to opt out of the game itself, not this kind of opt out that saves you from losing. On the contrary, consistently avoiding risk, you will almost certainly lose in the end. And so my friends, we, we have to take risk. We have to step out and take these leaps of faith. Now, here were some, some fun lessons, some fun things that, that I didn't think about in the game. On page 59 here of the book, he talks about the mortgage as a tool of opportunity. He said, some players look upon mortgaging as strictly an emergency measure, something to be avoided unless you are truly up against the wall. 
This is an unnecessary, puritanical, or at least overly conservative policy. Business, both public and private, runs on borrowed money. Borrowing creates necessary cash flow, giving you the flexibility to do what you need to do, when you need to do it, or when the time is right. So he's saying here, basically, you don't want to just look at mortgaging properties and monopoly as an emergency measure. You want to do it early in the game to help you put houses on. One of the things he talks about in this book is crowding out the housing supply. There's only so many houses in the game. So you don't necessarily just want to grab a hotel. You're actually better off putting three or four houses on your properties in order to crowd out the supply of the market and control your opponents so if they do get a monopoly that they can't do any houses if you already have put them up and you're better off mortgaging your properties to do some of those kinds of things to create the cash to do so one of the other things that that he brought about that i had forgotten uh, on page 76 he talks about income taxes and a short history and what he said was that the income taxes did not start until 1913. So here we are 250 years about in our country, and the income tax has only lasted 100 of those. Isn't that something? It took an amendment, the 16th Amendment, to add income taxes. And the reason for that, working class and middle class Americans complained it was fundamentally unfair for the rich and poor to pay the same taxes. So they called instead for a tax pig to income. Isn't that something? I did not remember that. But once I had read it, I was like, oh yeah, I did hear about that. So income taxes haven't always existed. Then of course, added on social security taxes during, uh, during the Great Depression and World War II. Now, one of the, the other interesting things in the game that I thought was, was the karma of kind of picking the pieces. And one of the things that it, it talked about here in the game was that you can read other players in the game most often by the pieces that they pick. So for example, if someone picks the dog, the Scotty dog, they're in it for fun. They aren't in it uh, necessarily to win, they're in it just to participate. Whereas some of the other tokens, like the race car or the cannon is someone that's much more aggressive and is out to win. Whereas someone that picks the old shoe is someone that is down on themselves and they don't think that they can win. So I, I thought that was interesting. The other thing that was fascinating that I never thought about in this context was the probabilities of going around the board. So he said that according to a Monopoly companion guide, that the orange properties in Monopoly have a frequency of 52.4% with a payoff of 25. So the best Monopoly to have are the oranges because they have the best payoff and the most frequency followed very closely by the red properties. Frequency of 52%, payoff of 19. 
So some really fun things in this book. As you play Monopoly next, as you look to play Monopoly card game maybe, as you look to do Wildcatter or Modern Art, definitely enjoy your family, enjoy the season. I do want to have a, a shout out to a couple other games that I was reading about that I haven't checked out yet. If you have checked out these games, let me know what you think about them. The game that was most highly recommended was Puerto Rico. So apparently it's the ultimate financial board game. Have you played it? Let me know what you think about it. Uh, followed by Acquire, which apparently is kind of like Scrabble, but somehow you do corporations and it's about merging and acquiring and stuff. So I would love to know if any of you have tried those games. But my friends, the, the purpose of this podcast, the, the purpose of what we're talking about here today is let's learn these financial lessons. Let's make sure that we're teaching our kids financial lessons to help them out. So I hope in your, your Christmas gifts that you can pass on a gift of fun, you can pass on a gift of games. And my friends, let, let me leave you with this. I know that you have an abundance of God-given talents and skills that within you you haven't even begun to reach for yet. I believe that you are an amazing doctor. I believe that you are a physician who can reclaim the life of medicine. Furthermore, you have the ability to be financially free. You have the ability to slash your debt and slash your taxes and be financially free. And sometimes, my friends, we all need a coach in a critical situation to help us uncover and see things that aren't in front of us, to see the forest behind the tree. My hope for you is today that you've gained some fun, you've gained some knowledge, something that you can implement, something that you can take action on. And so just know I believe in your future. I just wanna thank you so much for taking time out to listen to me today, for letting me be your coach, for letting me speak into your life. It's just such an honor that I have. I just thank you for tuning in. Your time is sacred, and I am just so delighted that you've chosen this episode, this episode here today, to listen to in your incredibly compressed schedule. And so however I fit into your routine, whether you're you're jogging and, and listening to me in your earbuds, whether you're in your car on your commute or listening to me in the clinic, I just want you to know that I appreciate you. I appreciate that you've chosen time to fit in time with me today and have some fun talking about these board games. For the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, this is Dave Denniston. Remember my friends, slash your debt, slash your taxes, live a liberated lifestyle. Happy holidays to you and your family. May the end of this year and the beginning of next be some of the best times ever.